podcast what maybe a month and a half ago maybe two months ago i can't even remember at this point all the days should have just blend together and we are already at season three and i'm so excited i got like such a surge of excitement when watching the premiere of season three because now all of the memories of the episodes that i really enjoy in this season began to flood in and this episode soundtrack is awesome so i'm just so excited to be back with you guys once again thank you for trekking through all these episodes with us and of course i am joined by matt how are you i am good and just as excited as you are it is a very fun uh time very very well not a fun time but a very fun season to be getting into here uh as we are about to begin season three like each season really is its own story and it kind of feels like having just you know done season one and two together it felt like that was the same story. It was like the Glee Club getting started, and then the next year they have a little bit more success. But it's still, it's still, you know, there's not many stakes in in the game. It's like, besides, you know, competing at nationals, competing at sectionals, and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's it's just that all feels like one collective piece. Seasons one and two, but now we have stakes. Now we have people that are beginning their futures. Like this is very much a transitional season where we're going from the glee that we once knew to all right. These characters are getting ready to leave us, and we have to go follow them into the next stage of their lives. As we are going to get into with the back half of the show, and that's what the season really is all about. It's it's obviously like very much themed around the senior year for a lot of these characters. A lot of them are going to be leaving us by uh, in, in 22 episodes from now. So there's so much that feels like such a big shift in the show. And I'm just excited because, I mean, we, we get some like Blaine is here. I, I could not ex- explain how excited I was to see Blaine now here at McKinley and just all of the different changes that a lot of these characters go through. It, there's a lot to get into that. Even though season two was a lot of fun, I feel like we might even have more here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think that season one and two are... I mean, if you were going to, you know, separate Glee into eras, I would say that one and two are probably the classic era. And then in season three, it's sort of like um, it just it just it's surrounded with a lot more energy because of the fact that we know that some of these characters um, will not be returning within the same capacity that they were for the first two seasons. So it's a departure in a lot of ways. And we're very aware of that right off the bat from the beginning of this episode. So it just feels fresher. It feels a little bit more um, special um, since time is limited. And I'm just, I love, I love this show so much. And the fact that it matched up with my high school years as well, because I mean, it starts with a lot of them in sophomore year and that's the year that it started for me as well. And so I literally watched these characters graduate just as I was graduating high school. So it was, it just, it's very sentimental for me. And yeah, I retweet everything that Matt just said. Um, I guess we can just really get right into it because the episode is going to start off once again with our uh, unbeloved JBI doing his normal summer 
uh, recap, trying to get us back into the feel of things, get us back into the swing of the school year, and reintroduce us to some of these characters. And this is also where we find out that Tina and Artie are officially sophomores. I don't remember if there's any plot holes regarding that. I feel like they were purposefully nebulous when it came to some of these characters and the timeline that they were in because Tina and Artie do um, talk about being sophomores because when uh, JBI is interviewing Mike Chang about like where he's headed to next, he says, oh, my mom hasn't decided if I'm going to Stanford or Harvard yet. And then JBI is going to ask Tina. She's like, well, I'm not a senior yet. I'm still, I'm still a junior. And so is Artie. So at least we get another year with those two. <laughs> um, and at first, when I first saw this, I was like, does this mean that like Mike's going to leave and then Tina and Artie are going to get back together? And but not quite um, no the, the, yeah it really felt like a lot of a lot needed to be set up here uh, because we are again at the start of senior year and this is such a season about the senior years of a lot of these kids so you have to establish you know I mean I didn't know that they had to do it this quick but uh, hey right off the bat let's let's just rip the band-aid off and tell you where everybody stands we have our juniors we have our majority of the club being seniors and a couple other people um, who are not here at the moment you know I'm thinking in terms of Sam who is not here to start the season but he is also going to be a junior Blaine is going to end uh, joining the club and, and he's going to be a junior so once they're able to identify who the seniors and juniors are once or they only you know they waited this long so that they could be sure about which direction they were going to go and they could have easily made Tina and Artie a senior and sent them off and just started brand new for season four and I'm sure we'll be able to talk about during the season as we see if and what happens with Tina and Artie, you know, are we happy that they stayed behind to be in this in this terrible high school for two extra seasons? Uh, we'll, we'll see when we get to all that. But, you know, they have to tell us where everybody is, at least. Yes. We're going to see uh, Rachel and Kurt. They are rehearsing scales in the choir room and JBI is interviewing them as well. He t and Rachel's going to say, you know, we are really planning on going to Juilliard this year, um, or next year rather, we want to get a eclectic apartment on the Lower East Side. Uh, I want to originate a role in a new Sondheim musical. I want to have a Tony by the time I'm 25. I want to get married by uh, the time that I'm 30, legally, because, you know, a bunch of states and cities were legalizing gay marriage around this time, which so this was really, really nice to see from Kurt. And uh, yeah, so Kurt and Rachel are definitely going full steam ahead with their uh, Broadway plans. Yes, they are. And as we've been keeping track of this this friendship as it's been growing over the past two seasons, and it really you know was cemented with one of your favorite songs of the last season uh, with uh, what was Happy Days Are Here Again, Get Happy. Um, yes. So that really cemented the two of them together. And after everything that they went through last season and they went to New York together and they really came to this realization that both of us are in on the same page. We both want to have these big Broadway careers. We both want to make it to New York. York City and that's the end goal so we are going to stop at nothing to get that and you and I are in this together you know both of, both of them have that same sentiment so it is become less of a Rachel you know the, this season is going to become a lot less of Rachel wanting to get her way with everything that she desires and a little bit more of both of them and kind of leaning on each other because they both have this same dream so that's a nice way to not make Rachel so annoying I think in season three yeah. Also, we're going to see Mercedes. Uh, she's just going to come out and admit to dating Sam. They dated, but it was only for the summer. It was like a little summer fling. Apparently, Sam's job or Sam's dad got a job somewhere out of state. And so they moved away. 
And now she is dating uh, somebody on the football team. We've never seen this uh, player before, but he's here. His name is Shane. And he's, like, a very supportive person for Mercedes. He says, like, you know, whenever you graduate and you win your first Grammy and I uh, get my NFL career launched, we're going to make some beautiful Coco babies. And Mercedes is like, oh, baby, how you talk. And I'm just like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like we've never seen Mercedes in this kind of light. And not that she's prohibited from uh wanting babies and shit i was just like wow this is such a departure from what from what we've known mercedes to be Mm -hmm. yeah she's been very much like you know she wanted to be loved at the end of last year and she wanted to have somebody just bring her to the ball and show her some attention and tell her that she's beautiful and again who doesn't want that but There's an obvious problem here that at the end of season two, they had set up. I mean, this is probably the best place to talk about it. They had set up Sam Sadie's that they were together. And here we are, the start of the season, the start of a new school year. And Sam Evans is nowhere to be found. Uh, Real life, you know, why is Cordova Street not here? I believe that, uh, tell me if you've heard anything different, but I believe the story was that he uh, wanted to focus more on his music career and thought that he could, you know, kind of make it on his own with uh, success as his own person. Or I don't know if he had formed his band just yet, but he was trying to just be successful in the music career and took a step away from Glee. As, of course, we all know, or if you're a new fan, uh, very small spoiler alert, he will be back. Um, Not right away, a little deeper into the season, but he will be back. So it's like, what are they supposed to do? They had set up Sam Sadie's and now Sam's gone. So I guess we just got to quickly shift and make you forget about that. It's strange that so many of these kids, I mean, I guess if you're going to be on Glee... Uh, if any want a music career, Glee is the show to be on. Um, but it just seems strange that after one season, th- these kids feel like they have the juice to go ahead and start off their on their own with their music career. And I feel like Fox probably would have banned this. I feel like there had to be something in their contract that says, you know, while you are with us, you cannot go ahead and promote your mm-hmm. own material. Yeah, especially because Sam had, uh, or Court Overstreet was a guest role. Like, he was a, a recurring character, like a guest star. He wasn't in the main cast. So it's not like he already, like, I'm sure all of them renew their contracts every season. I, I imagine that's how it works. But he obviously wasn't somebody that was, like, probably about to get a huge paycheck just to come back to the show. I'm sure they wanted him back, but he was still one of the minor characters of the show at the time. So if he thought he was going to make a lot more money by making his music, then, you know, I guess it makes sense why he decided to go that route. But I guess it didn't work out because Trouty Mouth is going to end up back sometime soon. Yeah, he's definitely going to end up back. I was I'm so wait. So he's not main cast for this season then officially? I don't think so. Uh oh. he, cuz he's he's not on the season to start it and eventually when he comes back I uh I imagine that he stays as a recurring cast member. I can I can double check to make sure, but he he no, misses no, the, you're the right. first like 8 episodes. He's he's not he's not main cast. He is still considered guest star. It's all right. He's got plenty of plenty of good opportunities or plenty of good moments coming in the final three seasons. He'll be around the whole time. He he can uh, he'll be OK. <laughs> can you imagine just like the music career uh, for singles, Trotty Mouth. Like I would have bought it. I would have bought it. If he would have done that, I probably would have been like, yes, bitch. Never go back yeah. to Glee. This is it. This is it. <laughs> um, OK, so who's next on the docket? We're also going to see Santana a little bit. And she's talking about how. Th- being senior, being a senior means that she gets to be at the top of the pyramid this time. She's going to be the the uh, the Cheerios main hoe. To which JBI is going to be like, oh, so where's Quinn Fabray? Which we don't really get a response to just yet. Brittany appears. JBI asks her, does she have any plans for the future? And she says, wait, are you working on a time machine too? So at this point, we can assume that Brittany is also a senior. 
And JBL is going to ask Finn one more time, like if he's has anything else to say before he ends the interview. And Finn just says, you know, I think I'm just really excited for this school year. To which we're going to get a voiceover immediately afterwards. And he sort of just doesn't know what he wants to do yet. I feel like all these other characters have a bit of a plan for their lives, or at least Rachel and Kurt most definitely do. And I'm sure being Rachel's boyfriend, he spent the entire summer listening to all of the Broadway plans and dreams that she had for herself. And in comparison, he's just a bit uh, on the narrow side. So he's not really sure what he wants to do yet. He doesn't really know what he wants this year to, you know, how it wants to be defined. And he's sort of forgetting, you know, where his footing is and who he is. To which, of course, he's going to get another humble reminder as the hockey team comes and slushes him in the face. This is something that we talked about at the end of our season two uh, recap about how what does Finn do? What is it? What do we know about Finn? What do we have? Like, we have no idea what Finn's motivations are, anything about him and his future. While we know a lot of the other characters, kind of like the direction that they're headed in or just kind of their motivations. And Finn is somebody who, you know, is telling us straight up now. So he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's not, you know, we didn't miss anything along the way. He just is lost on where he wants to go with his future. And I... I'm curious how much of that is because they wanted to write that as a character or how much of it is that they truly didn't know what direction to send Finn off in and just kind of thought they would let things play out a little bit more naturally. I feel like it's a little bit of both. I mean, you can obviously write that into a character like Finn and have it make sense that he doesn't know what's next, but it's also like maybe the obvious answer would have been, well, he wants to go play football, but he also uh, literally Troy Bolton high school musical. Like, what does he want to do next? Does he want to play uh, basketball slash football or does he want to go on and have a musical career at like the exact dilemma that Troy runs into maybe they didn't want to copy that dilemma so they figured they would go a different route but it uh, it, it they're going to end up figuring it out along the way all right so um interesting here we're going to get a, a little wake up morning routine scene between uh, Will and Emma so I guess one of them has moved in to somebody's house. I don't know if it's Will at Emma's or if it's Emma's at Will's. I'm not really sure. But the two of them are playing house right now. He tries to kiss her as she wakes up. She's like, I haven't brushed yet. So clearly, you know, the OCD is still alive and well because it just doesn't go away. Um, they uh, make each other breakfast. They make each other's lunches. They give each other a kiss and then they head on to work. So I guess we can just skip the will they, won't they part of the season this time and just be like, yes, they will. <laughs> Yeah, there's not much of a, uh, a setup here. It's just they are together. They are. I, I think it's Will's house. It looked like Will's kitchen that they've used before. So I'm going to guess they're at Will's house because otherwise, I don't know. I feel like it would look a lot cleaner. Not that it's not clean, but like if it was Emma's house, like you would notice that it's distinctly Emma's house with like every single apple placed perfectly on the counter or something like that. Uh, these little lunch boxes are adorable if they weren't grown adults. But what are you going to do? So, yes, they are together. <laughs> you mean to tell me that you wouldn't want to carry around a lunchbox that looked that was for kids even at an uh, adult age? Because I certainly would. No, I don't give a damn. No, I would. I would. Um, but these two, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm judging them differently than I would judge myself for some reason. Yeah, aging is inevitable. Maturing is optional. That's how I see it. Yeah. Good. Good point. <laughs> All right. So we are back for our first Glee Club uh, meeting of the season. And Will is going to place the 12th place uh, Nationals trophy next to all of their first place trophies and be like, see, you know, you see this comparison? This is what 12th place looks like. This is also what it feels like. To which they're like, why are you? Or like, Puck is like, are you going to like bum us out all summer? And he's like, no, you know what? I'm doing this because I want you guys to realize that 
you guys can do this. I want I want this to be of motivation for you guys. And I know that I lost focus a little bit. I got mixed up in some Broadway pipe dream, which obviously wasn't a pipe dream because Rachel's going to then inform us that the person that did take Will's part in uh, April's musical actually ended up winning the Tony, which I'm just like, damn. Because damn. If, <laughs> if April if April Rhodes was able to pen a role, because she wrote this. If April Rhodes is able to write a role that was Tony nominated and Tony winning, then maybe she had a little bit more talent than either of us cared to give her credit for uh, at the end of last season. And that's crazy. The fact that he won that Tony, oh my God, I would be so... I mean, I understand that Will loves them kids, but it's a Tony. It's a Tony, yep. bitch. <laughs> He is uh, got to be kicking himself. But then again, he has Emma, and that's what he wanted. He has Emma. He has the kids. He has everything that realistically should make him happy, even if, like, you know, the dream of his entire lifetime is uh, kind of been given to somebody else. That's that's rough. Yeah. The uh, kids are, you know, they're they're happy that Will is here, but they're like, you know what, Mr. Shu, like, we're sort of still in the same spot that we were in, like, even two years ago. Like, Everybody saw what happened at Nationals. It's trending on YouTube. It's like called the kiss that missed between uh, Rachel and Finn. And everybody in this club kind of still hates us. And we're down a few members. Like, Puck couldn't convince Lauren Zeises to stay. And we're going to get a little uh, shot of Zeises telling Lauren, or, uh, Zeises telling Puck, hey, Glee Club is just, like, not good for my, for my reputation. I really feel like I should just give it a rest this year. And Sam obviously isn't here after Mercedes let us know. And Quinn, once again, is still not here. And people are asking where she is. And no one knows. So we're down three members. Everybody hates us. We're embarrassing on YouTube. It's just like, is this 2009 or is it 2011? Like, I can't yeah. tell the difference. Quick question here. When do you think that they filmed this scene with Zeisys and Puck? Last year or this year? I think they filmed it this year because she looks... I, I hate to, you know comment on a woman's body but she just looks a little slimmer to me yep. in that scene I you know what i mean had, so I I, like, yeah i didn't pick up on that i was just so focused on like looking i was like looking at the surroundings like does this look like last year does i, I couldn't tell she looks a little slimmer her hair is dyed a different color it just looked different so i, I think that they definitely filmed it this past year yeah and maybe okay, well. you know or the, and maybe you know they they weren't really sure what was going to happen with her character yet so they kept her around i don't know that would have been weird to film at the end of like season two to be like, hey, can you give us a goodbye right. scene? Because we right. don't think we're going to bring you back. Right. Like they, they wouldn't have known by then. So I'm sure when they greenlit the season and decided that she wasn't returning, they went and headed had her for this episode. Yeah, it's like a, it's an easy paycheck to still come by. Like if you're not going to be on the show anymore, unless there was like super hurt feelings, like and they're saying, hey, can you come by for one day? Obviously, you get paid for it to like film a scene of just you not being here anymore. So, yeah, I have no reason to think she should have turned that offer down. No, not at all. So, uh, in order to get the kids um, inspired again, Mr. Shu is going to come up with another one of his corny little lessons. This time, he brings in a bunch of donated pianos that he has uh, refurbished and painted uh, purple. He's going to call it the Purple Piano Project, and he sees that, yes, these, these, these pianos are a little older, these pianos have been through the ringer, but Tina makes the... The, uh, the point that they're still capable of playing beautiful music and it's a big metaphor for the Glee kids as well and he says that he's going to start planting these pianos around the school and whenever they see one of the pianos he wants them to sing which I feel like is a surefire way to get these kids suspended but nonetheless it's Glee and that's the lesson for the week when you see a piano yes. sing about it <laughs> 
when you see a piano, <laughs> sing about it. Uh, purple Piano Project. It's so hard for me to say that and not just say Purple Pants Podcast. Um, <laughs> that's the dilemma that I was having while I was P-P-P. taking my notes. The PPP uh, before the PPP. I hope Bryce is a uh, Glee fan and enjoys this episode, but I doubt it. Um, I've never seen him talk about Glee, but hey, maybe uh, maybe it's just we're the only losers still out here uh, talking about this show. No, there's a lot of people listening to it. Why am I beating us up? Uh, yes, the Purple Piano Project is has began. That is the lesson of the week. Don't know why they're all purple. I don't. Uh, was there a reason that I missed? Why no, I, don't, I, I just think that that was the... That was the color. Yes. That's what I mean, and, it just uh, helps with alliteration. <laughs> yeah. We are going to meet uh, another character this episode, uh, Sugar Mata, who we'll get to in a little bit. So let's save the excitement on there. Um, that's a message to myself. And uh, But it's her dad, Mr. Mata, is <laughs> the name that we're given, who is a lover of the arts that donates these to the Glee, uh, to the Glee Club and to the school. So uh, very strange to randomly get these purple pianos just scattered around McKinley. But we got to attract some new kids to the club because we are down a couple members. So let's make it happen. It's like poor Brad, right? He's got to like be at three places at once with these three pianos floating around the school. Right. You notice (laughs) he gets called a hottie in this episode? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Oh, that there there goes the uh, title for this podcast as well. The purple piano podcast. There it is. There There you go. go. Um, I can't believe it, by the way, that Brad is on this season for all six seasons, on this show for all six seasons, and, like, some of our other... Well, he's a cheap contract, I'm sure, but, like, there are so many people that don't get to come back uh, when they probably would would like to, but Brad gets to stick around for all six seasons. He's the longest-running cast member outside of, like, Rachel yeah. and them. It's Rachel, Kurt, and Brad, <laughs> and Will, and Sue. And Will, and Tina. Well, not really and quite. Tina, 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 Tina kind of goes absent. After, like, yeah, she's really not season, season six, Mm-mm. or the end of season five. So yeah. you know who is Brad. <laughs> Very true. So yeah, and also Will is going to say, you know, this is to attract new members. So you know, of course, go out there and sing. But if you see other people, other students that might have a song in their heart, make sure that you rip it out of their heart and tell them to come on over to Glee Club. So Emma is going to speak with uh, Rachel and Kurt. They are, once again, super-duper excited about their future. They are, you know, Broadway-bound, Broadway gravy train. They're, they got their tickets. They're, they're on their way. And they are telling this all to Emma. And then Emma's going to be like, you know, that's great and everything, except Juilliard does not have a musical theater program. Yeah, so, that's kind of a <laughs> – that's a problem. I don't know how they missed that when they were looking into the school that they wanted Rachel to go to. How does Rachel not know that? She knows everything about Broadway. She knows everything about New York. How does she not know that? That's such a big... It was a funny moment to watch them both, you know, be in shocked silence. But I was just like, is, is that loyal to the character of Rachel? And I just don't think that it is. Maybe, no, maybe Kurt. Maybe Kurt. Because we don't really get a lot from Kurt. But Rachel? No way. No way. Luckily, there's other schools out there. And did you remember that Emma Pillsbury is the one who introduced Rachel and Kurt to Niata? I did remember this, yes. I didn't remember this. And I was like, wow, the reason that we go to Niata for a lot of uh, the rest of the series is because of Emma Pillsbury in terms of the storyline. So um, this damn made up school (laughs) is now a part of the show. Niata has officially been name dropped and uh, it's time to get Rachel and Kurt all in on it since Juilliard is not an option. Yes. Uh, So good on Emma here for introducing them to another option. I, I mean, I know that they were super, super Juilliard bound, but it is sort of peculiar that none of them would take a look at the other plenty 
of qualified and really good schools for performing arts in New York City. Like, Juilliard is not the only one. Juilliard may be, be the premier, but it is not the only one. Like, what happened to Tisch School of the Arts? What happened to Pace? What happened to Columbia? What happened to Marymount Manhattan College? All of these beautiful places that you could be spending your time and energy researching. But nonetheless, Niata has been named dropped, so Niata is the talk of the town. Over in Sue's office, she's lamenting about being so far behind in the polls. At the end of season two, she did tell Will that she has decided that her next journey um, for her career is to go for one of the congressional seats in Ohio. Um, but alas, she's in ninth place at 6% for the congressional seat. And she's trying to figure out what's the best stance to take because people need somebody that has a message or a platform in politics. They need to get behind somebody that is already behind something else. Becky suggests toast because bread is already baked. Why do you have to cook it again? And honestly, make her the campaign manager. Make her the mm-hmm. campaign manager. Honestly, I'm, I'm about it. But she says, you know what? I admire that, Becky, but no, I feel like I just need to find something that somebody, that everyone hates. Lo and behold, what do you hear wafting down the hallways and into Sue's office? Chopsticks being played on the piano by one Tina Cohen Chang and Michael Chang. And this is going to lead Sue on a barrage of racist insults. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, what's that sound? That sound is the sound of incoming racism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Sue is going to take uh, like some pliers or whatever the hell you call that big ass uh, tool, open the top of the upright piano that Tina is playing on and rip out the guts of all of the strings in the piano. She's going to say, I'm sorry if I just interrupted the national anthem of whatever country you're from, but you can't just play piano in the middle of the school. This is this is a place of learning. Like, what the hell do you think that you're doing? Uh, get the hell on out of here. Essentially. And uh, Mike is very uh, uh, vocal about how offensive that comment was about how uh, whatever song you guys were playing was the national anthem of whatever country you're from. And obviously she doesn't care. She has absolutely no like these are we're back to uh, Jane Lynch or sorry, uh, Sue Sylvester with the comments that, you know, anybody can get away with. And I mean, we're going to get some competition for that spot because somebody else is coming in again later in this episode who can apparently just say whatever's on their mind blame it on something else so uh glee must be at this point all in on let's just offend everybody and laugh about it yeah it's uh it's it's horrible (laughs) it really is but you know apparently sue is not uh alone in the sentiment at least of not being able to play music in the middle of the hall because the geometry teacher of whom sue doesn't even recognize is going to come by and say you know what good for you sue sylvester I, I, I agree with you. These people, these uh, uh, arts kids think that they can just get away with anything. They think that the rules just don't apply to them and it's it's just disgraceful. And thank God for you. You've got my vote. So it looks like Sue might have found a cause uh, for her platform. It's nice that she found a voter, but uh, she doesn't know who this woman is, who this woman is. And this woman's like, yeah, I've been teaching here for 42 years. So come on. <laughs> That's Sue. a long ass like, time. 42 years that's like before probably schuster was born that well, yeah like she's been here a, a long time they're probably the same age <laughs> like probably honestly <laughs> so whatever continue <laughs> offending people sue and not recognizing your co-workers yeah if there's one way to win politics is about it's by being racist so hey she she's got it there um <laughs> back at the lima bean 
we're going to have uh, Kurt really, really uh, urging Blaine to make a decision here. And the decision is whether or not he's going to leave the Warblers and leave uh, Dalton Academy and come on over to McKinley. Because Kurt says, this is my senior year. So which it's supposed to be his senior year, too. But plot hole. He says, I really just want to be able to spend a lot of time with you and make this year count. And I don't want to have to only see you after school or only see you on the weekends. Like, I, I just want to spend as much time as I can with my boyfriend. And Blaine doesn't really give a response yet. But we're finding out that, you know, apparently Kurt has been pushing him all summer long to to get him to come on over to McKinley. Which, if I were Blaine's parents, I'd be like, hell fucking no. Because I would have to imagine that since they started dating, Blaine's parents are aware that he's dating Kurt, and Blaine's parents are aware of under the circumstances of which Kurt was even in the position to even meet their son. So why would they want to send their son to a school where the his boyfriend had to leave because he was afraid of being killed? Fair point, but I don't know. Blaine doesn't seem to uh, to put too much stock into what anybody has to say besides himself and uh, Kurt. It's cute how like the two of them are talking about like, oh, well, you're just afraid I'm going to beat you at sectionals. And it's like, no, you're just afraid that we're going to beat you at sectionals. It's like, all right, let's just uh, let's just get this sexual tension out of the air. You guys can go back to your place and then come back. Sectional tension. All righty, Matthew. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I wish I did. <laughs> Did you not just say sectional tension? I said sexual tension, but I think you oh created something even better. God, I'm so mad that you didn't because now <laughs> I'll pretend you, I did. You should have just went along with it. <laughs> yeah, that's totally what I said. Sectional tension. All right. This scene is ruined now. <laughs> Maybe we should have named the podcast that. Maybe we should have. So uh, Santana and Brittany are going to speak with Quinn. We are finally seeing Quinn seeing what's become of her over the past summer. Her hair is not only short from the time that she cut it, but it's also dyed like this nasty, shitty pink. She's wearing postmodern gothic chic. It's it's grunge. It's like 90s, like, I don't know, side of the road. I have sex with truck drivers. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. She feels like she's found her new calling in life. She feels like... The Glee Club just didn't really do it for her, and she's now hanging out with this band of women called the Skanks. One of them has uh, once eaten cat poo. One of them is called the Mac because she does make out with truck drivers um, on the side of the road. And I forget what the other one did, but they're just, you know, on the fringe of the McKinley High School Society, and Quinn has found some new allyship with, with, with the Skanks. But not everybody is pleased with this, with this outcome. Brittany and Santana are going to plead with her to come back to the Cheerios. And Quinn thinks that they're dumb for going back to Sue, which, you know, fair point. Why would you go back to Sue? But Santana's like, it's not about Sue. It's about us. Like, we could win two national championships this year. We could win Cheerios. We could win nationals with the Glee Club. We started this together. Come on. Like, we are the unholy. I think this is the first time that they refer to themselves as the unholy trinity. Like, why break it up now? This is our senior year. Come on, Quinn. Let's do this. But Brittany is just, or um, Quinn is just not having it. Yes, uh, this is my 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 client Matt Ligori will not be speaking on the topic of new Quinn Fabray. Uh, it is not considered <laughs> canon on the show, and we are just going to pretend that this does not happen. Thank you very you much. You know, you know, oddly enough, Matt, I honestly, I mean, we did talk a lot of shit um, about Quinn's arcs in season two, and we knew that this was coming, and we, you know, preemptively talked shit about this as well. But I actually chuckled quite a bit during some of so, Quinn's scenes. So I was like, you know what, I I still feel like I wouldn't have done this. 
But it's not entirely done horribly. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Like, I feel like it's written in a way that you obviously know that Quinn is going to come back, but they just needed to do something with the character to to give it some oomph. And it's it's still pretty funny. It's not my favorite of character arcs, but it's at least funny. Here's my thing. Let's step into the writer's room for a second. You know, it's my favorite place to be. I went into this scene anticipating what was to come because of course I knew that this was here and I've been dreading it for a while and I am you know very aware of how this goes and my feelings on it and I said Matt try to put yourself in a headspace where you can see this from a different lens try to enjoy it try to find something good about it and try to understand it and as much as I try I just don't like it I don't know if it's because I am such a big fan of Diana Agron as an actor and performer on this show, and it feels like they just could have done so much better with her. I really think that's the main thing that I've been beating to the ground about how much I, you know, like that's my main gripe with the direction that they went in. I feel like they wanted to try something different with Quinn after what she had been through. I get that, but like two things. One, Quinn, her big problem is that she has this popularity and she does not want to ever see it disappear. She has one last year, one final shot at this popularity. And I really think they could have tried to have her be the one that goes back to the Cheerios with Santana or with Brittany, whatever, and have her be the one that is, this is my final shot to make something happen. Like, let there be a showdown between her and Rachel. Let there be a Quinn that Quinn is not going to stop at anything until the Cheerios and the Glee Club win at Nationals. This is, She is going to stop at nothing to achieve success, to get the prom queen again this year, to, to make it so that she is unstoppable in her final year of this popularity that she knows is going to disappear someday. But instead, they sent her under the bleachers with the skanks, and it's just like... There's you catch no, it. I just, I just, I just don't get it. I just, I wish the writer's room is is where I'm stepping in here. I wish that they had gone, Quinn and Santana go back to the Cheerios. Quinn is exactly what I just said. And let Britney have this storyline. Let Britney go be with the skanks. Because I would believe that Britney goes and runs off with these new friends. And she doesn't want to go back to Sue Sylvester, who fired her out of a cannon before. And I know that she wants to stick with Santana. But let her go be with the skanks because that would make this a very, very funny storyline as they can't bring Brittany back to the Glee Club because she's off with her new friends that treat her nicely. And I don't know, like they could have done so much more to make this funny if they went with Brittany or Tina or somebody else doing this and let Quinn be back in her shining role as the Cheerios captain for one more time. Let Quinn and Becky fight it out for Captain C. It's just, they could have done so much better. And, you know, again, this is what we've been dreading, or at least me, uh, to see this finally with the purple hair the Jolly Rancher that fell in the ashtray of Quinn Fabray. It's just sad that I could not bring myself to find anything to enjoy about it. See, I, I, I and I, 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 I hear you. I do. The only problem that I have with that suggestion is that that was, wasn't that sort of like what Quinn or Diana specifically was trying to escape was the whole popularity storyline because it got very, very stale very, very quickly in season two. And so for this to be, for season three to essentially be a carbon copy of that, I'm like, well, what's new? I feel like she would just be upset even more because you're doing the exact same thing that we just saw her do all season long for season two. So rejoining the Cheerios, trying to be the top bitch, all of that stuff, like it's, it's all the same. So I'm not a big fan of this particular storyline either. I feel like it's such a drastic change. And I feel like they really, they're going to end up, you know, just 
we'll talk about it eventually, but they're going to end up making it about how she's beginning to deal with the fact that she gave up her baby. But I'm like, and I don't, I don't know what adoption is like for all women. So I won't, you know, pretend to, to know what's realistic and what's not. But narratively speaking, it just seemed very, very interesting that all of a sudden it's about the baby that she lost. And that's why she's like this, as opposed to it being about the Cheerios and hating Sue or hating Will or hating all of this stuff. It's like, I just, I just feel like it's unfocused. That's my main problem with it. It's like, while it's funny, there's no focus here. Like, what exactly are you guys trying to say with this character? Because I just don't see it. I don't, I want it to switch, I want to switch it up, but I also need for this to make cohesive sense. And it just doesn't right now. Yeah. And I, I see what you mean about like, you know, they were trying to get out of that uh, popular girl thing. I think, you know, I guess their options were either to get completely rid of it and go the route that they ended up going. Um, I think the other option would have been to go all in on it because they kind of, tiptoed around it and eventually you know we got a lot of it when she wanted to be prom queen but i think what i like my suggestion would have been like if they had gone completely all in on it like let her quit let her quit the glee club that's fine if, if we want to just have her be focused on being the number one girl at this school and have her be on the cheerios have her something not related to finn i don't know let her go back to puck i just you know they're, they're they could have gone all in on it so that it's like an over dramatic version of that popularity thing and that adds like a little bit of an extra piece to it so it's not just i want to be popular but i also just am fine sing, si singing and dancing in the background while rachel sings up in the front like that's that just was the part that felt so distant so if i don't know we don't have to keep talking about this forever but uh, it's uh you know it's going to play out, especially with the baby and everything. So there's still a lot more to get to. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited for this speculation script podcast. <laughs> I'm going to start doing mine like now. Like I just need it to happen now. Rachel is also going to plead with Quinn. She's going to greet the skanks um, under the bleachers. All of them threaten to beat her ass. Uh, <laughs> Rachel surprisingly stays there and says, Quinn, like, look, I'm really, really sad. I know that you're not going to want to believe me because we're not we've never been the greatest of friends. But I. I really miss having you in Glee Club. We've been through so much together. We've all been such a family. We've we've won together. We've lost together. And it's going to be so weird without you being there. This is our last year. Come on. Like, let's do this. I kind of wish that Rachel was the first thing, the first to say something to her. And then Britanna were the ones that eventually convinced her. Because I feel like she's more inclined to listen to Britanna than she is to Rachel. I just, that's just how I feel. But Quinn, she, Quinn doesn't answer Rachel. But it's not a no either. So she's clearly conflicted and trying to figure out what it is that she wants to do. Does she want to be with the skanks or does she want to go back to being uh, uh, Susie Q? Yep. Lucy Caboosey. Lucy Caboosey. All right. At the end of the day, Sue is going to hop on her platform in Sue's Corner on the local news channel and pretty much promote her uh, new stance for the congressional seat. She is totally against the arts she feels like too much money in public schools goes into the arts programs when not enough kids can actually read at a proficient uh, grade level and it is ridiculous and she vows that she will put all of that money into uh more academic programs and she will continue to do so until all of the kids in ohio are reading at an appropriate grade level um she says that it's not a personal attack but she does personally call out will schuster during this uh during this address and yeah, she is. This is this is this is the new uh, this is the new antagonistic tactic that Sue is going to go after. She's going to move to go over Will's head, go over Figgins's head, and get the actual school board to defund the arts programs in all of Ohio. Which 
I I can agree with one point. Like kids really should be, be like, why are kids not able to read? Why are kids not able to read? That's crazy. I don't know if arts are the problem, but kids really should be reading <laughs> at a great level. So it's perfect political uh, spinning to make it. She blames it on the arts, even though there's really is nothing. Uh, there's no studies to back that up. But that's her. That's her new tactic this time around. Which. Will is going to come into the office the next day and be like, this is some bullshit. How can you do this? Like, you, I need job security, which I don't understand because your job is the Spanish teacher. And that job wouldn't be at risk. I don't think you get paid to be in the Glee Club because wasn't that the whole point of the Glee Club in general is because you had to put so much of your own money into funding it and you guys still have to put a lot of your money into funding it? Like, you're not getting paid. So what job security are you paid. talking about? I think he gets paid by now. I mean, we haven't seen him uh, as the Spanish teacher. We saw it like once last season. I feel like at the end of the day, like having one national or not one nationals, sectionals and regionals and then going on to nationals. I have to imagine this guy's getting a paycheck by now. I mean, sure, I guess. I mean, well, from what I know about extracurricular activities, yes, teachers do get paid a little something extra whenever they are doing something outside of their normal teaching requirements but i would have to imagine that it's like i mean sure it's no one wants to say goodbye to some of their money of course not but like i was just like you're you're still gonna have a job will like her going after the arts is not going to take your job away like you're you're gonna be fine uh yeah with this, with the Sue's Corner, um, I think we had speculated before. I, I had asked you if you think that Sue's Corner solely existed so that Sue Sylvester, so Jane Lynch could read lines in like the exact way that she does and give these long monologues because she can just sit there and not have to memorize it. She can read it off of a teleprompter. And we weren't, you know, we didn't come to a uh, for sure conclusion. But then at the end of this, uh, the teleprompter was shown in the scene and it was like, part of it because obviously she is reading off of a teleprompter as a news anchor that's what they do but i don't know just throwing that in there because i feel like that is truly the only reason sue's corner exists it's just let's give her a solid two minute three minute monologue where she can just rant about the most ridiculous things that the writers get to write for her and you know she doesn't even have to work hard to read it out just reads reads it off of that uh sorry but to come back to uh the figgins's office scene figgins notably still principal here i don't know how much longer that's gonna go on i don't think he has one single line in this whole scene uh yeah you're probably right it's just back and forth between sue and will with figgins as the audience member and sue is talking about how she's actually you know made some gains in the polls after her tirade last night about the arts and uh wanting the arts to be defunded and she says that she's actually neck and neck uh in the race in the race with uh somebody that's running from prison who is apparently a (laughs) rapist um and she's like so i have bigger fish to fry than you and your little glee club so let's make a truce for now. But if you do anything, anything at all to derail this, I will destroy you. Yeah, what a what a semi foreshadowing moment that was. Like running behind somebody that's a rapist and yeah, is in prison when we really have somebody running the country that's probably a rapist and probably should, should be, be in prison. In prison? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gleeby, gleeby knowing, they be knowing. So yeah, Will is really upset because he, you know, he's dating Emma now he's starting up he wants to you know start a family so he really 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 needs the money and can't afford for it to be taken away from him but Sue is going to be like look yeah like well I don't give a damn about any of that if you try and derail me it's 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 going to be over for you more Sue in this next scene as she is going to sit down with Becky and Santana and inform the both of them that the two of them are co- captains to which both of them explode and becky's like i cannot work with that bitch like are you kidding me santana lets becky know like look 
I don't, you know, it's, it's it, far be it for me to judge anybody that looks a certain way or has this amount of chromosomes or whatever. But if you ever try to tell me what to do, Becky, I will end you. And that, that's that on that. Uh, Sue loves this. Sue wanted this to happen. This is exactly what she <laughs> wanted to happen. Um, but the more pressing issue at hand is whether or not Santana is going to swear her allegiance back to her. Because we know Becky's solid. Becky's Becky Becky will go to jail. <laughs> Becky will go to jail yes. over Sue. But Santana is a little bit more questionable because she spent two years with the Glee Club. So Sue lets her know, like, look, do you want to be on the winning team this year or not? Like, this is your last year. This is this. You are the captain of the Cheerios. You are the co-captain of the Cheerios. This is your year to make something happen for yourself. Are you team winner or are you team loser? And Santana says, you know what? Looks like I'm team Sue this year. And she says, uh, Sue says to Santana that she knows she likes playing both sides. Uh, so a little bit of a reference there to yeah, a little storyline. A little, little, uh, little bisexual joke there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, something that has obviously come up in the last season and will continue to be the case in this season. So reminding the audience of that with a clever little joke in there. And yes, Becky and Santana are going to be our co-captains. Can't wait for school picture day to see that picture get taken uh, with the two of them leading the charge with the Cheerios. Poor Brittany. I mean, Brittany has, you know, what has she done wrong along the way here? She truly was, I mean, she was set to be shot out of that cannon. She didn't go through with it. But the least you could do, Sue, to make up for the fact that you did that to them is let them both be captains. What does Becky need to be captain for? She's already on the team. Uh, but no, she is, of course... Uh, we're, we're just happy she is back and Becky's not even a senior. Happened. She is not, which, thank God, because <laughs> I need more Becky, uh, season four and beyond, so... Oh, yeah, that's that's uh, Santana's looking a little shady, as per usual. So a lot of hearkening back to season one. I think it gets a lot of, you know... They are reusing and rehashing some old plot lines, I think, in a mm-hmm. clever way to really remind us of how where this show has come and where it is now. I can't um, believe how much plot line or how much how much plot in general that we had so far in this episode that we're about like halfway through the episode now and first getting to our first number. I know, right? It was a lot. It was very. This episode is very plot heavy. Uh, I, th- very. I enjoyed this episode a lot, a lot, and I think it was. I think the music in it is, you know complimentary to the to the plot line so yeah mm-hmm. it's a solid episode i don't know i don't it's looking like this might be a very easy slushy rating for me but we'll get there what? um <laughs> rachel uh is going to come to lunch and be like guys there's a purple piano sitting right there what the fuck are you guys doing you know well, you're supposed to play the piano. Mr. Shu said anytime there's a purple piano, you have to play. We have to get kids to join. Don't you guys know that? Aren't you paying attention? No, and Mercedes is like, oh, wow. Like, I can't believe anybody missed that piano sitting right there in the middle of the cafeteria. Clearly, Ooh. the kids are not that inspired to do this. They are, you know, there's, their egos are hurt. They came off of a Nationals 12th place finish. The whole school is d- doesn't like them still. Like, it's not, you know, it's not that easy, you know? Um, and they kind of just want to have their first lunch in peace. But, you know, Rachel is going to convince them that they need to do this with the help of Finn, of course, because Finn is always the backup for Rachel. And so they go on and perform their first number of the season. And it's We Got the Beat in an effort to inspire anybody at lunch to join the Glee Club. Yeah, JBI is filming uh, for some reason. He's filming this number because why not? Uh, The kids are just having a great time. They're all up and down, dancing on the tables. You know, definitely nobody would be mad that you're just having your lunch and uh, Rachel Berry comes by stomping all over the table, singing a song that you just don't care about. The cafeteria looks a little different here. I don't know if this is a new cafeteria, but it looked, I think, a little different or they just were maybe hitting it from some. I don't think we ever see this cafeteria again. 
Probably not. It seemed uh, like a strange little different set area. And as much fun as this number is, the entire club is all into it. You know what? The rest of the school, not too into it, especially Becky Jackson, who is going to, <laughs> at the very end of this number, come by and find Rachel Berry and hit her with a good old green slushy. So, no, as- it was peas. It was peas. It was a cup of peas that I found was so it? funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's explaining why it was green. I thought it was a slushy. Um, all right. So Becky hits Rachel with some peas. And they just all roll off into her. A fight. <laughs> I'm just like... That's much funnier. Uh, like she a plate tried. Of peas. She tried. Why... <laughs> did your school serve peas? I don't know that mine did. I'm, I'm pretty sure we had peas every now and then. Yeah. Maybe in like middle school. I don't know. I, I also don't think I ever saw the inside of that cafeteria food room during uh, during high school once. But uh all right sorry sorry have uh, you ever have you ever had a uh p- michelle <laughs> but the puns very good for you man have you ever been in a food fight no when does oh that really no no not on long island you mean to tell me that the kids on long island weren't like anarchists what are you saying about long island no say all the bad things about long island i uh i have plenty of things to say at the moment i mean they might have had one i don't know i I really don't think so because i mean who wants to be covered in spaghetti all day with it sitting on your head while you're watching sugar perform a song in the glee club who wants to be covered in all i mean you can't go home and change usually unless you have like your gym clothes in your locker that smell because you haven't brought them home to be washed in weeks (laughs) i mean i guess most teenagers aren't really thinking about the logistics of it all they just want to throw some food (laughs) i also really just avoided the cafeteria it's where'd you eat either in the theater director's uh, area, like the, pretty much the band room. Because uh, for the majority of the time, the band kids, the theater kids, like everybody was all friendly. And the band room was only used for band, which was like once a day. And then they had, you know, private lessons in there the rest of the day. So that was pretty much our main area that all of us hung out. Mm, I gotcha. Yeah, I hung out with my theater teacher for, for a lot of the time in high school. I didn't really go to lunch towards the end of my high school career either. Mm-hmm. Um, but all through middle school, I definitely was there. And we got into um, we freshman year of high school. We I wouldn't call it a food fight. I call it a food toss. Like somebody threw something and then somebody else threw something. And then everybody said like, oh, shit, we about to do. Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? But then it like got quelled before it could actually pop off. <laughs> right. As it probably should have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I kind of wanted it to happen because I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a shitster. But oh, well. Yeah, and uh, the the these poor Glee kids are truly going to have this on them for the rest of the day. They all end up going back to the Glee club. Artie has uh, all, it's literally all over his head, and it's going to remain there for this entire next scene. Brittany has pepperonis in her bra. <laughs> Those are her nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. And yeah, they just look a whole mess because they are a whole mess, and in comes a whole mess. Yeah, uh, Mike Chang is gonna let like he's gonna say to uh, Mr. Shu like they're trying to break us like they don't they don't like us and Mercedes says as much too as well. She's like, I yeah like they I don't know why you told us to do this like this is this is this was your idea, Mr. Shu, and now we're all covered in spaghetti sauce. So screw you. And uh, this is when we're gonna see Miss Sugarmata for the very first time, and she's gonna let us know that she has some self diagnosed Asperger's so she can pretty much say whatever she wants because she's going to insult the Glee Club and say you guys really really sucked ass and when I was in the cafeteria I just thought to myself I'm just so much better than you sorry Asperger's (laughs) 
Yes, we have Sugar Mata has finally joined us here in the Glee universe. Oh my God! Uh, so many. Is it so many is it me or does Vanessa Lenges does she kind of resemble Lady Gaga a little bit? Um, I've never thought about that, but I can see it. Similar noses. Yeah, similar noses, like similar head shape. Not similar voices at all, but like I like I I see it. I see it for that. Oh, I thought you were talking solely because of the voices. No, 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 no. 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 Everybody go listen to Chromatica. Um, (laughs) Yes, it is uh, maybe maybe somewhat a comparison there, but definitely not with the voice. But what I was going to say, obviously, like we have Sugar who introduces us to herself here as uh, somebody with Asperger's and she is going to blame every single comment that comes out of her her mouth, both intentional and not intentional on her Asperger's. So um, do you like I would say Asperger's is... Not one of the conditions, if that's the right word to use, uh, that I know the most about when it comes to, you know, disabilities. Um, So I don't I probably should uh, look up, you know, more about Asperger's to know, like, what they were trying to incorporate into this character. I'm not sure if you know any more than I do. Well, Asperger's is um, it's on the it's on the spectrum of autism. And I know that in terms of autism, in, in terms of Asperger's specifically, they have a hard time of uh, gauging social cues and understanding some bits of humor and things of that nature. How about, before I butcher this, how about I just look it up so that right. I can actually be effective in this explanation? <laughs> okay, Asperger's syndrome, also known as Asperger's, is a developmental disorder characterized by significant difficulties in social interaction and nonverbal communication, along with restricted and repetitive patterns of behavior and interests. As a milder autism spectrum disorder, it differs from other ASDs by relatively normal language and intelligence. Although not required for diagnosis, physical clumsiness and unusual use of language are common. Signs usually begin before two years of age and typically last for a person's entire life. So she was just <laughs> essentially trying to say, I say a lot of offensive things because I have Asperger's. So you right. can't be mad about it. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, that's going to be a big part of Sugar's character, at least as we get started here. She is going to be somebody who sticks around for a bit, uh, not forever, and is not the most impactful character, but we will get some good moments along the way. And I'm just happy that we're uh, we're meeting her. I mean, if if we're going to lose somebody that I love a lot in Lauren, I'm happy to game, uh, gain somebody that I love a lot also in Sugar. Yes, she's going to go ahead and audition for the Glee Club. She lets them know that she's really, really awesome, to which Rachel is going to look a little bit threatened because Rachel cannot handle any other female talent in the in the group, even though there's more uh, there's more girls in the group now than there, there are guys since we've lost. Actually, wait, no. No, we only lost Sam. Never mind. Anyway. We lost Sam, we lost Lauren, and Quinn. So there's less girls this time. Oh, so good for Rachel. So she's pissed. She doesn't want anybody replacing, <laughs> except if, unless, it's, <laughs> unless it's Quinn, because she has that low tremble alto, which can never compete with Rachel Berry's. So, of course, when uh, Sugar comes in claiming that she has, you know, she's the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, Rachel looks a little bit worried. But then again, she's going to go ahead and perform Big Spender from the musical Sweet Charity and completely butcher the song entirely. No one even knows what to say. Rachel is pleased. Will is going to be like, holy sugar. And Rachel's going to pretty much take the reins here and say, like, oh, you know what, uh, sugar will be in touch. And then go on to say, we cannot allow her in this group. Like, we l- literally, we made the the decision 
to do a really good job this year and take our take us all the way to nationals. If we let her in the group, she is going to fuck up everything. She cannot be involved in this group. But Will is like, well, we've always had the policy that anybody that wants to be in can be in. So I just feel really, really bad now that, oh, we've won a couple competitions. Now we're going to try and be elitist and be like, oh, you can't be in the group because you can't sing. And I'm like, well, yeah, you probably should, Will. <laughs> you probably yeah, should. and I mean, to continue that comparison, Lauren very much could not sing either. She came in for one song, uh, one solo last season and obviously like was not uh, brought into the club for her fabulous vocals and sugar is going to be the same way. I mean, you haven't even seen her dance. If she can be somebody in the background that just kind of gives you some oohs and ahs and dances, Rachel, shut up and let her, you want to be in the front. Stop worrying about somebody not being a good singer or dance. Like shut up, Rachel. Um, so yeah, she get literally is like pointing her finger at, at Schuster here saying like, you are the one that said that you would do anything to get us to nationals. Okay. And she is going to keep us from winning that elusive crown. If anything, she is going to kill all of our chances. And I'm like, Will, how do you just sit here and take this from from fucking Rachel Berry? Uh, but I know yeah, Rachel's so Will on some is, shit this year. <laughs> yeah, and Will doesn't doesn't take this very well because he probably agrees with her, but like his good guy instincts tell him that he can't just you know like he can't just say no to her. So as you know, the next scene is going to be him talking to Coach Beast, and he's like, I can't just tell her no, but she was pretty terrible. Yeah, she was she was pretty terrible. And Beast, you know, makes a really good point here. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, take it from me. I had to cut like 60 guys from the football team. And I'm like, damn, is McKinley that big that there are 60 guys that you can just cut and still have a sizable football team? Like, damn. But she says, it's about putting my, my, my kids in the best position to win possible. And that's what it is at the end of the day. And if you guys do well, you're buying that glee club like 10 more years on the school, which I'm like, I don't know if that's the case. But um, because they barely scraped by, even though they won their sectionals the last time and they won regionals and they're barely scraping by. Like, I don't I don't know about that beast. But she's just essentially saying, like, look, if you want to win, you really have to put yourself in the best position to win. And that means for Glee that you can't you can't accept people that can't sing. And he's going to make the argument that the arts are different from sports. And I'm like, not really. I mean, it's just athletic talent versus artistic talent. Like, it's all talent at the end of the day. And you want the most talented people on your team. So, uh, Emma's going to come in and let them know that Sue is still, like, surging in the polls and a lot of people are undecided, but they might lean towards Sue, to which he's going to get a good idea here. And he's going to be like, you know what? If Sue wants a fight, then I'm going to bring the fight to her. Yes, General Schuster is about to launch a counter offense. He is uh, all in on this plan. We are going to get Sue where it hurts, I guess. Um, do we, we want to just jump to this now? It's uh, yeah, about why don't a we? scene ahead. Yes, uh, they have. we're having some Cheerios tryouts. Sue is there with Santana and Becky, and they are, you know, she's trying to instruct them on how to be brutally honest when it comes to these tryouts. It's what you need. Uh, she's like, I really don't have any intention of bringing anyone new in anyway. I just want to see people cry. So the auditions are going to begin, and as a couple of kids come in and yada 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 will schuster shows up with emma right behind him with a tiny little camcorder type thing this is i guess before uh people use their phones to film things it really wasn't like 2012 we were pretty much getting there iphone 4s were probably out at the time but uh emma comes in with this recording device and will is going to go pretty insane on sue here he says candidate sylvester I think you could use a little bit of showbiz sparkle. And he starts to take some glitter out of this bucket and tosses it onto her. 
onto her front, onto her head, onto her back. He says, every tiny grain of this glitter represents a child whose dreams will not come true if you get elected and end school arts programs. John F. Kennedy once said that the arts are the roots of our culture. The arts enrich our lives and help kids achieve that in all walks of life. Sue Sylvester, he dumps the entire rest of the bucket on her head. You just got glitter bombed. And then they run. <laughs> I love how Emma is like, oh my God, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go before she gets up. Like, like she's not getting up. I also love how Santana and uh, Becky are like stone faced the entire time, just staring ahead as if they're on the panel of RuPaul's Drag Race and just staring ahead. It's like, it's just like they don't want to be involved in this at all. <laughs> I mean, Becky usually would probably want to be involved. Like you would think that she would take the bucket out of Schuster's hands right? and like smack him across the face with it. That's what Becky would do. I don't, I don't know why she just sat there. They just, uh, they were, they, they just were kind of just dumbfounded. So that was, so, yeah, that was I mean, the big hey. counter attack. I'm not really sure how effective that was supposed to be because uh, why are people supposed to agree with you now? Because you glitter, you threw glitter in that woman's face. Well, and you put it on the internet, I assume. Like I, I just. <laughs> Strange. Hey, Sue, uh, people say that she can dish it, but she can't take it. Look at a time like this. She dishes a lot, and she takes this pretty pretty well, uh, just sitting there and letting the glitter pour all over her entire body. And uh, I really glitter? hope that they filmed this only once, because that would have been really, really annoying. Well, between that and the food fight, like they must have had a lot of one-take scenes here. Yeah, screw that. So yeah, that's a, that was the counterattack from, from Will. Rachel yes. and Kurt, in the meantime are preparing for the mixer at the hotel that Emma informed them about to, you know, just go about the competition. Uh, and in true Rachel Berry and Kurt Hummel fashion, they want to be the fiercest queens in the room at, at, at any given time. So they are going to rehearse an intimidation number to perform at the mixer to just let these kids who the know, who the fuck they're dealing with. And here we get our performance of Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, which I adore so much. Which I knew you would. <laughs> you know, I, yes, I, sense, I sense the tone of, of judgment. It's not judgment at all. It's just I'm beginning to learn your type of Glee songs. And I knew that this would be one that you enjoyed. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Wicked Adjacent, right? It's from uh, the Wizard, Wizard of Oz, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, this is right up Rachel and, and Kurt's alley. So this is a fun number for them that they just get to, uh, you know, they're, they're a little disappointed because everything just seems so minute to them now because they've performed on the Gershwin Theater stage and they felt the lights of Broadway on their face for the first time. And they're just, you know, like, how do we come back to the McKinley High School Auditorium and do a number on this stage and then go to nationals? Like, they've felt what it really feels like to be up there. And it's like, all right, first of all, though, Rachel, you can't just go there again and do that as if an audience is going to come watch it you got to get there yourself uh but i get her point that like it's it seems a little you know minor to just come back to the stage here yeah uh and i can imagine so i mean when you're on broadway the pinnacle of american theater that's i mean there's there's nothing else above that so going back to your pedestrian stage in the middle of nowhere ohio has to be a bit of a buzzkill but the two of them are clearly uh, serious about this Broadway dream because they absolutely smashed this number for particularly no audience at all. Um, and they, uh, they're they really excited about this mixer because they feel like they are going to have the upper hand on all of these other kids from Ohio because I guess they assume that they're the only ones in Ohio that could have such big Broadway dreams and access to classes and talent and all this stuff. So 
we'll see what happens with with all of that. But I do love that number. Yes. Yes, sing but it oh high, my goodness. Sing it low. Let them know the wicked old witch is dead. All right, sorry. I had to. Oh, go. You you do you. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for I'm ready for what's coming. I I feel it in my bones. We have some warbler energy invading McKinley High School. Yes. Blaine Anderson is going to work his way down the hall like a catwalk. Without his Dalton Academy Warblers uniform, none of that shit. Uh, he's going to come up to Kurt, and Kurt doesn't even notice that. He's like, what are you doing here? Like, shouldn't you be at Warblers rehearsal? Um, and he's like, for a guy that loves fashion so much, you haven't noticed that I'm not in my Warblers uniform. To which Kurt is like, wait, 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 no way, no, no, wait, you didn't just do this because of me? Because if you did it because of me, this could lead to resentment, and it could lead to a really horrible, nasty breakup, and I really just don't want, I just will have a good time with you, I love you too much for this to be, to be really, I, don't, I just don't want this to be really bad for the, twi- the two of us. And Wayne is like, I'm fine, like I did this for me, I, I also feel the same way, I do not want to spend any less time with this beautiful person that I love so much. And Kurt's like, okay, well, now that you're here, now that the, uh, the transfer is official, it's time that we figure out a way to get you into the new directions. And Blaine, of course, already has that covered. Cue the music, bitch. I have a coworker that has not, uh, we, this was like, you know, back when work, working was a thing um before all covid but uh we were talking one day about how she had never heard of the song what i know never what is she and i was like yes you have uh my age i was like yes you have i was like come on you've heard like fresh prince of bel-air at the very least um you've heard the song and she's like i played it she's like no i, I don't know the song i was like oh my god what the hell uh so that was crazy um it's not unusual did i even say what song it is it's not unusual blaine is the number blaine is going to go into here that he has prepared for the entire mckinley high school that is out in the courtyard watching it is uh the new directions are going to be out there for the most part all of them are there they're all noticing that blaine is here probably a little confused uh i don't know that everybody expected this to happen i probably they probably didn't uh santana is super into it she ends up getting on the steps and singing and dancing along with blaine and before we get to the thing that's going to come out from this um was santana like into blaine here like or was she just into the number i think she was into the number and she was opportunistic mm-hmm. she had a, she had a plan and she felt this is the perfect cover to which uh she can enact her plan yes that's true um, either that i keep or, i always forget that or, she was involved in that yeah either that or because, I mean, Blaine does say he already has this figured out. Maybe he asks the Cheerios. And maybe he asks Santana to help him out with this number. Totally and possible. Then, and then she took it one step further and did her bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, as this as this number comes to an end, it's a lot of fun, and everybody seems to enjoy it. At least the Glee kids, uh, and you know, Blaine is here. He has arrived at at uh, McKinley High School, but uh, this purple piano that is sitting in the middle of the of the courtyard is not going to uh, not going to last for more than another thirty seconds. Yes, the Cheerios are going to douse it in gasoline, which I never actually noticed upon watching this number for the first time. But you can see five or six of the Cheerios running around the piano, pouring gasoline on it. And I guess Quinn was in on this plan as well because (laughs) Quinn takes a cigarette that she was nonchalantly smoking as Blaine was performing this entire number and throws it onto the piano, igniting it in flames. 
Was she in on it or was it just convenient that she happened to walk past it and have this happen? I think she had to have been in on it because the Cheerios didn't have any flames. They just had gasoline. But why would she want to help them? I don't know. Maybe Santana was just like, let her know. She's like, like, Quinn, I want to like destroy these pianos. Can you just help me out? Can you just help me do this? And she was like, oh, it kind of goes with my new image. So sure, I'll do it. I don't know. That's very confusing. Um, I don't know if they ever talk about it again in like a future episode. Like, oh, you were helping us. I, I don't know. It's That's just a strange way. I mean, obviously, Quinn and the cigarettes has been part of this episode. So I get why she, whatever. I don't know. Weird. But Blaine is here. Yay, Blaine. I just like never noticed this at, at first. I was like, oh, shit. Those girls really poured all the gasoline. I just felt like, oh, it just, it was just a really flammable <laughs> right. cigarette. Was, but yeah, so. Santana is, you know, sitting there smiling deviously. Everybody else is like, what the fuck is going on? So, yeah, she did it. Good for her. Or bad for her. Well, good for her, but bad for the league club. But good for Sue. And bad for Santana, eventually. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) All right. So, Rachel and Kurt are at the Niata Mixer. They are super, super, super excited to be there. They are super confident. Rachel has her little Barbie... radio ready to perform her little cute little number with her little friend and then she walks in both walk into the uh, hotel room and they see a sea of students prospective students at this mixer that also want to go to niata and who should we see amongst this sea of students miss lindsey pierce herself playing the character of harmony and she is just like another Rachel Berry. She says, I know you recognize me. You recognize me, right? That's because I'm the Gerber baby. She literally walks up to them and says, hi, what's your name? <laughs> what are your credits? Like, how long have you been in the business? Like, these kids are Rachel and Kurt, but turned up to like 10,000. All of them have tap shoes on. All of them, they, they have hair gel. They're practicing their lip trills. They're warming up. They're stretching. They have their, their playbills with them. They have their resumes with them. They have their headshots with them. They are Broadway babies, okay? And yes. Rachel and Kurt were not expecting this at all. And considering the shit that we've been hearing about Leah Michelle, I really, really, really want to know how this scene went down. I really do. Because we know that Leah Michelle does not treat guest stars or extras. And that's what all of these people in the scene were, except Chris Colfer. So I'm like, was she a bitch to them? Specifically Lindsay for being like this, oh, this little glee upstart who thinks that she can just sort of like be like this Rachel Berry character. Like, I really, really want to know if she was a bitch to Lindsay on set. I just feel like she was. I just feel it. I just feel it in my bones. I just feel it. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, let me jump in here with my my new glee project, having viewed it, it takes. Um, I yeah, so how does it feel? Project. For the first time, and uh, I am finally seeing Harmony for who she is. It's Lindsay Pierce. Yes, I did not know who this person was. Uh, no, that's not true. I knew when I watched in pre- like the previous times that this was somebody from the Glee Project, but I hadn't watched it. It took me until the year 2020. It took me until a quarantine and you know starting this podcast that I ended up watching the Glee Project. But I'm very happy I did. Uh, you know, having 
four of the top four members end up working their way onto this season at one point or another is uh, something I'm just so excited to see again now that I know their backstory. Now that I know how hard Lindsay Pierce fought in the competition to be you know, to, to get to the end. And she took a lot of criticisms along the way from Ryan Murphy um, and ultimately, you know, not ending up winning the Glee Project, but still getting a two episode arc on the show. So I'm glad that she got to debut here. She has an amazing, amazing voice that she really got to show off here in this number as, the, you know, they she gets a bunch of, you know, nice riffs in there to just really allow her voice to shine, even though this number is like, you know, it's not a, a number made to showcase her voice, but she still is given opportunities throughout to do so so Lindsay Pierce getting her moment here as uh as we get our first Glee Project debut it's not made to show off her voice it's like a big it's two big Broadway standards mashed in one I feel like it's the perfect song to showcase her voice like I this song I could not stop listening to it and I could not stop listening to it with my friends we literally all did competitions to see if we could all hold the note as long as Lindsay could and of course we all could because we were all Broadway babies, just like these kids. And it was just, I mean, in what world besides Glee do you get Anything Goes and Annie Get Your Gun mashed up? So expertly. I just, I just, I love this number. So then, yeah, let me, let me clarify. I'm just coming off of watching the Glee Project where obviously, you know, the point of that show is they all compete individually and they all have solos that show their talent you know obviously solos individually so we get to see Lindsay get an entire number to herself and that's what I think of in terms of like really highlighting her and her talents um, this is you know a number where she's got tons of extras and uh, it's you know an ensemble number all people all around her so um, I, I you know was expecting that she would have been getting a number that was just her but so that's what I mean by like wasn't really highlighting specifically her Got it. I I mean, I I still feel like she was clearly the star of the number. She was the the, the lead vocalist. While, yes, she has a bunch of people surrounding her, I think that she was, she absolutely killed it. And I I did not, I mean, she was obviously edited in a way to be the, the Rachel Berry of the Glee Project and to be the annoying one, the one that thinks that she's hot shit and all this stuff. And I, you know, the 16 year old me or 17 year old me fell for it and was like, oh, my God, that's the that's the mean girl. I don't like her. So like, I found it very, very hard to enjoy the song in the beginning. because I was just, Oh, my God. Like, she's so annoying. Like, she's so she's she probably just knows that she's good. And that's so annoying. But like the talent is undeniable. I mean, she she literally kills this number. Um, And I just uh, I don't know. Like, I think this is also another plot hole, though, because soft spoiler, she's obviously she gets she gets two episodes in this season. And in the second episode, she talks about how she's only a sophomore. Then why the fuck are you at the Neata Mixer? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they, uh, well, she she's just starting young. They are, uh, they knew what they wanted for all these years. I don't know. It's like probably uh, a similar kind of thing to Rachel and Kurt, even though Rachel and Kurt don't talk about their dreams much before the New York episode. Yeah, I think that Rachel she was supposed does. to be, I think that she was supposed to end up at McKinley for season four, but it just didn't work out possible that's what that's what i think and very possible it's probably good that it didn't work out because now she's alpha on broadway so who knows go off queen but this is uh you know as good as it is uh for for lindsey pierce for harmony here it's not very good for rachel because they're just so defeated or at least rachel is she just you know they go back to the car and rachel's talking about how she's never been more humiliated in her entire life uh and they're just resigned or at least she is again resigned to the fact that 
maybe this is how it works. Maybe not everybody's dreams come true. Maybe this is just, you know, a fantasy. Which I, I know that feeling. I get that feeling. And I hate that feeling. So when she said this, I was like, no, fuck that, Rachel. And I think this is, this is the beginning of where I begin to stand her. Because now that we have seen this side of her where it's like, oh, damn. She actually has to acknowledge the talents of other individuals. She's finally out of the Glee Club. She's out of the halls of McKinley High. And she's realizing, oh, mm, there are other people that are just like me. Some of them are way better than me. I'm good, but that doesn't mean that I'm the best. And so to see her be so defeated and to see Kurt, you know, also a bit defeated, but also sit there and be like, no, 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 we're not doing this. No, we're not doing this. You are Rachel Berry. You have been the girl that has pushed us to success for the past two years. Your ambition does push-ups in your sleep. We can do this. You can do this. Do not let this be the thing that just pushes you out. Like, fuck community theater. You want Broadway. You've been talking about it for so long. And it took just one little mixer for you to lose your mind like no we're not doing this so which rachel is like you know you, you make me want to be your boyfriend and i see it for you too like we have to do this together like so the basically the two of them make a peaking promise that they are going to use their senior year to beef up their extracurriculars because kurt says that he, he's a little bit thin and just strive for anything that's going to set them apart because they now realize that the competition is stiff. So they know that this this year really, really is crucial, which in the grand scheme of things, you really should not have been waiting your senior year to beef up your resume for college. It really should have been your junior year. It should have been your entire college career. But this is the the stakes are the stakes are higher for the two of them because they know that it's not going to be an easy road getting there and they need to they need to step it up if they think that they're going to get into this school of the dreams, which became the school of the dreams literally that same day. <laughs> so yes. Yep. So, I mean, obviously they have some obstacles to overcome. They are both kind of low in uh, in experience with the whole Rachel not having ever been in an actual school production. That's pretty important. And Kurt says that he's low on extracurriculars. So, yeah, the two of them have some work to do before they can actually move forward with these two dreams that they have. They just, you know, they they, they have the talent. They have the ambition, but they need a little bit more to get there. And it's a good thing we have a full season ahead of us that can help us watch the two of them work towards that goal. Yep, yep, yep. I love this scene. I thought that, I mean, this this is also one of the scenes that really cements the whole uh, Kurt and Rachel of it all. And uh, it's a friendship that I begin to root for because of the fact that they have such big dreams and they really, really want them. And I <laughs> was going through the exact same thing watching this. So it always holds like a special place. But um, back at the uh, Schuster residence, he's lamenting to Emma about how he doesn't want to go to school today because he's so afraid to talk to Sugar. He just doesn't want to put her down. Like, oh, my God, woe is me. To which Emma's going to be like, well, you just glitter-bombed Sue, bitch. Like, you can do anything. You stopped becoming a man of words. You became a man of action. So you can definitely go ahead and crush the dreams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of some little girl, which, you know, I guess is counterintuitive to the everything that she was going up for because Sue's whole argument is that the arts need to be defunded. And he's like, no, the arts really help kids learn. And then he's going to go to school and be like, you can't be a part of this arts club. Sorry. <laughs> yep. 
That's, I mean, he's obviously trying to put his focus on what what Rachel was saying and, you know, what he truly believes that he needs to keep the club talented so that these other kids can, you know, have success this year. But exactly what you just said, it's like, all right, well, you've been fighting that all kids should have an opportunity to be in the arts. And now here you are taking the dreams away from this one girl who very, again, easily could be a good dancer and you could just stick her in the back and let her do choreography or whatever. But uh, Rachel has gotten in his head. Yeah gotten in his head and so he's gonna go to school and tell sugar like i'm i'm sorry i i I just don't think that this is gonna be your year for the glee club to which sugar is gonna be like you know what oh you know it's fine like i i I was a little bit tired i could just come in and do it again like it's fine she's like you know no sugar like you 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 can't sing to which sugar's gonna lose it and be like you know what you're just a washed up Broadway wannabe who's stuck in lima coasting some dumbass glee club that hasn't even won wait how many national championships oh wait sorry zero not Asperger's and so she storms <laughs> away and Sue's gonna come up behind him and be like oh that was nicely done William to which she's gonna be like I did not enjoy that at all Sue and she informs herself I'm not talking about that bitch I'm talking about the fact that you came in and threw that pixie dust in my face and it took Becky forever to get it out of my hair but you know what that little video that you uploaded really taught me one thing and it's that everybody just loves a martyr and so as soon as he did that her numbers went up in the polls because to see some random arts teacher throw glitter in her face when she is sitting there not just minding her own business uh that really you know i think that resonated with a lot of uh ohio's residents so he has inadvertently screwed himself over with this plan and he's pissed off uh sugar in the meantime so he's back at square one (laughs) yep Yep, 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 yep. And uh, she continues to win and win and win despite him and everybody, you know, but beyond everybody's efforts to not let her succeed. It just seems like, you know, these teachers coming up to her, giving their support. And now all of the polls are leaning in her direction. Uh, Everything is coming up, Sue, at the moment. Everything is coming up, Sue. All right, Blaine has officially been added to the new directions. Will's going to introduce him to the rest of the group, even though I'm sure the rest of the group probably know Blaine better than <laughs> than Will knows. Yeah, Blaine. they literally spend time with him at the Lima Bean. Like they all know him. They all spend, you know, they they got drunk together last season. Like Will, you're the guy who who doesn't know Blaine very well just yet. But um, right. it turns out to be a problem here. I don't remember this. I mean, not that there's much to remember. This isn't too significant. But like Finn getting mad that Blaine joins. Uh, Calm down, bud. Like, you need new and then members. He, he blames it on, like, he thinks that Blaine was the one that set the piano on fire. And I'm like, why would Blaine have done that? Literally, what reason on earth? Um, I mean, there's not a single thing that you've ever known about Blaine that you would think, like, he is going to set your pianos on fire. It's uh, look a little within to find who did that. But, I mean, Finn Stupid probably never would have realized if uh, Will didn't come out here and, and say it to everybody. But Santana's going to do something interesting. She's going to out herself, essentially, because Finn's going to say, you set a bonfire in our in our courtyard, to which Santana's going to reply, actually, that was an act of political protest. And I was like, why would you tell on your... Like, wasn't this the whole point of this to be, like, secretive about it? I mean, I guess the Cheerios weren't necessarily shy about pouring the gasoline. They definitely, like, made a show out of it. But I don't know. I just didn't expect Santana to, like, take ownership of it and... I guess she was just expecting to fall back on the excuse that Sue made her do it. So Will is going to say, you know what, Santana, you got to go. You got to leave. Do not come back unless you are going to be 100% in 
on the Glee Club this year, which is just like you're back at square one again because y'all were just talking about last y- yesterday that you were running out of members. You get blamed and then you get rid of it. You know what? It's all about loyalty. Up it's a revolving here, right? door. <laughs> it's all about loyalty. And Mercedes even says that she's like, you know what? It's about time that we finally got some allegiance up in here. So good on you, Schuster. Good on you, Mr. Shoe. And he says, you know what? I've said it before. I'll say it again. If we want to win nationals this year, we need to be united uh, to which Rachel is going to come up with an announcement that has nothing to do with anything besides her own personal gain, uh, announcing the musical that they're going to do for this year. It is the first day of school and we're already talking about the musical. And that's not true. It's not the first day. It's a couple days into the school year. Uh, We never had any kind of musical announcements until like late October or so, maybe like November, uh, because nothing got started until around the holidays. I want to say, but we're going to get right off the bat with it here as Rachel announces West Side Story is going to be taking place this year. She is decided. She's decided. The West Side Story is the move. And Mercedes wants to know if it's going to, she's just reassuring that there's going to be, you know, equal and open auditions for everyone, which Rachel is not going to respond because, you know, Rachel is Rachel. And Kurt is also going to announce that he would like to run for class president this year because he also needs to beef up his resume. So clearly Kurt and Rachel are uh, really wasting no time in getting their shit together while the rest of the Glee kids are just like, we just want to win nationals. Can you take that shit somewhere else? But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I admire the ambition. And uh, they're going to look back at the pianos. One has food all over from the food fight. One is ripped up because of Sue. And the other one has been lit on fire, to which Tina's going to say, yeah, look what they did to us. But Will's going to be like, you know what? They're still playing good music, to which Rachel's going to be like, you know what, Mr. Shu, you and I are always on the same page. Pay, pay, that <laughs> accent come from? Same page. And starts the first Glee ensemble number, besides You Can't Stop, or besides We Got the Beat. I feel like this is the, the first contender for sectionals, um, is You Can't Stop the Beat. And we're going to see them rehearsing as they're all dancing in purple to commemorate the Purple Piano Project. And absolutely killing this number. I love it. Lots of bomb-ass choreography between Brittany and Mike Chang. We're also going to see Quinn watching them as they rehearse this. So clearly she's missing it. And Yes. And we need yeah. to talk about Brittany here. Um, do you notice the amount of times that Brittany, we cut over to a Brittany in the middle of a performance where she's got her eyes crossed and she's making that weird face? <laughs> I only saw it once and I was like, what the fuck? Well, it happens like once in this episode, but it happens a lot throughout every like like the numbers that the new directions do. Like they do it every so often. <laughs> but yeah, this is like a notable one here where they just cut to her and she's making that weird face. Uh, Blaine is here. Blaine is doing his first number with the new directions. We have the new new directions featuring Blaine, no Santana. Um, and yeah, Quinn watching on obviously looks pretty upset. And You Got the Beat is a good number. Uh, we were talking before we came on here about one of the lines that they have in the in the song because this is, you know, Whenever they do a number, they give you a shortened version of it, but then release the full song onto, you know, streaming places like iTunes. And the iTunes version of the song has, you know, the extended lyrics, which includes a line about how uh, the, the, the line from Hairspray is, and if they try to stop us seaweed, I'll call the NAACP. And in here, they have it changed to, and if they try to stop us Artie, I'll call the NAACP. So two white characters having this uh, dialogue in the song. So strange. <laughs> so strange. Very odd choice, but... I mean, I've talked about this before, but, like, we, I used to be uh, in the 
uh, High School Musical Theater Awards circuit back when I was in high school, and we knew that there, there was all of the shows get announced um, for the season for all the participating high schools. And there is there was a school out in I forget what the county, but I was like, there are like no black people there, and if there are, it's like a little bit of black people. And they announced that they were doing hairspray, and I was like, how the fuck are you doing hairspray? With no black people. There isn't even a clever way to rewrite the show so that it's about something else. Because all of the lyrics in these songs in Hairspray specifically... Like, how do you rewrite the Black of the Berry? Like, I just... like Sometimes white people just be like, I want to sing the song. I don't give a damn. I'm singing the song. I don't care if it has to do with race. I'm singing the song. Yeah. And clearly they did it again here. And I'm just mm-hmm. like... Thankfully, that school was not nominated for shit during the awards. And I was like, as they shouldn't be, because there ain't no black people over there. But, hey, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, they, they, didn't they put obviously it on the episode, have Mercedes so. here. Mercedes takes that part of the song that is, you know, specifically meant for a black singer. But there's still, like, this entire song, just having one black person in the entire crew is is a little strange. A lot of strange. A lot of strange. But um, speaking of the songs, how about we get right into what our favorite song for this episode was. We're going to hit it off with We Got the Beat, saying about the New Directions. Big Spender, saying by Sugar Mata. Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, by Rachel and Kurt. It's Not Unusual, by Blaine. Anything Goes, Anything You Can Do, by Harmony and the rest of the Niyata wannabes. And You Can't Stop the Beat, by the New Directions. I'm I'm torn here. Um, I have a lot of fun with We Got the Beat. I have a lot of fun with You Can't Stop the Beat because I love Hairspray so much. Um, and they all, you know, I love a good closing episode number. Uh, Blaine with It's Not Unusual is a lot of fun with all the Cheerios getting involved there. I'm probably torn between It's Not Unusual and You Can't Stop the Beat. And I think I think I'm going to end up going with you can't stop the beat i just i'm a sucker for an end of end of episode number on the stage with everybody everybody involved and you know i i'll go that okay okay i mean it's not a bad one it's not a bad one i am a big fan of ding dong which is dead it's not unusual anything goes anything you can do those three right there are ugh, they're so good mm I really don't know. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Pick two. I love them all for different reasons, and I'm not going to pick two. I got to give it to Lindsay Pierce. I got to give it to Harmony here. I got to give it. It, it's, it. it just edged out. It's not unusual. Just a hair. Just a hair. But we're not going to get a lot of Lindsay Pierce in Glee. We're going to get only one more song from her in the entire franchise, and I don't know if her second solo is going to be enough for me to give it to that one. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it to this one because I think this is probably the most iconic out of the two that she has. And like I said, like I listened to this so many times with my friends and we all held out that note for so long. Like we would hold, we would hold out those notes for longer than her just to see who could hold it the longest. So I just have so much, so much memory surrounds this number. And it's just, it's just so good. It's it's Broadway crack, like two, famous broadway shows mashed together in this way like i just i love it um so yeah i gotta give it to to anything goes uh anything you can do all right i uh i was actually thinking you were gonna go with ding dong the witch is dead but 
the other one also makes sense. Uh, Lindsay Pierce coming in here and killing her first and uh, only number, or does she sing again? I don't know if she sings she has, again. She has she has one more. Okay, so performing and killing her first number, a very nice start, and I'm very happy to see her have made it onto the show at all after, like I said, just completing the Glee project. So. Alrighty then, slushy ratings. I'm going to come right off the bat and say that this is a perfect episode of Glee for me. I think that the energy surrounding the beginning of this episode is very refreshing. I agree with everything that you said at the beginning of this episode, Matt. I do think that the stakes are higher. I think that the kids look different. Um, I think that the the energy surrounding the school is different. I think that the plot points are actually interesting. I want to see what happens with Sue when she tries to run for Congress and what she does with that seat. I want to see what's going to happen between Emma and Will now that we've sort of like skipped past all of the Oh, well, they want anything. They're already moved in. Like we can get, we can just nip that in the bud. I want to see what's going to happen now that Kurt and Rachel have been knocked out, knocked off of their pedestal and don't necessarily know what to do in terms of like beefing up their their resumes for school. I want to see if the kids are going to fucking make it to nationals. I want to see if there's going to be more kids that actually try and and reach out to be in the new directions. And Will is you know growing some balls and being like, actually, you know what? No, we don't want you. And like. Is that going to cause more friction? Like, I want to, I, everything felt fresh. Everything felt new. I feel like this is a new beginning. And I, I love all of the numbers in this episode, all of them, including Big Spender. I I, I think it's just a perfect episode of Glee. Zero slushies. I'm I'm not as uh, high on it, I guess, as you are. I'm not super low on it. I'm going to land on one slushy here. Um, it is, I definitely enjoyed it. And it's like, to me, it's just a lot of setup. And I know that, like, I, I take every point that you just said about how, you know, you, the setup is good because it leaves you wondering all of those questions and waiting for all of those things to happen in the future. I just, you know, maybe that maybe I'm not as high on the episodes that just kind of feel like they're going up, 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 up. And, you know, I, my favorite episodes are the one that go like, you know, up and then you get to that point with like uh, three quarters of the way through and then you go a little bit down, get some resolution. I don't know. Uh, the numbers are also uh, definitely good, but not like my favorites. Um, so yeah, one slushy sounds good to me. Alrighty. One collective slushy. And gold star. Fuck it. I'm giving it to Harmony. I'm giving it to Harmony. She had one scene, but she knocked it out of the park. I believed it. I believed everything. I had... And you know what? I... As much as I didn't like her on the Glee Project, because obviously they wanted a villain for the show, they needed that in there, I still differentiated Lindsay from Harmony. Like, I I, I got it. I got it. I got what she was going for. I, I got it all in that short amount of time and she killed that number. And I just, for you to be a relative newcomer, obviously Lindsay has had training. Obviously she's been in shows before nothing as professional as Glee, but for her to be such a newcomer and to like really just go in and just dive in and, and, and command that stage. I think that that is commendable. I think like stage presence is something that cannot be taught and she has it. And I, I just, I think I would be remiss if I did not shine that light on her, especially since she's not. I think that she's one of the more talented people that we see out of the Glee Project. And I feel like she should have been here longer than some of the other people that we get. So. All right. Yes, we uh, we love Lindsay Pierce. So shout out to Harmony getting the first gold star of the season. Um, I'm not super confident in this one, but I don't see a better answer 
for myself. So I'm going to kick things off this season with a Kurt Goldstar. Uh, I think I, what I was saying earlier about how he really kind of, you know, when you turn it into a Rachel Berry dream to go to New York and you make it Kurt and Rachel's dream, I think Kurt really does a lot to help Rachel Berry be less annoying, Leah <laughs> Michelle too, maybe. Uh, and it really <laughs> provides a balance where they, you know, he, he calms her down and they feed off of each other really well. So all of that and this like new Kurt energy, like him starting this season in a much better place, in a confident place in himself, in his relationship and having his boyfriend join the new directions to be with him. Like Kurt is, is completely in a whole different place than he was to start the last two seasons. So um, I guess just to recognize that plus, you know, his part in that uh, good number that him and Rachel had in this episode and just happen to have him back uh, for, you know, a new season of uh, with the new directions. I'll give it to Kurt. All right. Kurt and Harmony. Interesting combination there. I'm happy. I'm excited for season three. I think that the the shit that's to come, this is actually a pretty solid season as well. And I didn't really give it too much. I haven't been hyping it up as much as I hyped up season two. And I think I might have been wrong for that. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to continue on with this. This season has a lot of uh, a lot of great numbers. Some of my favorites. Uh, I think this season has my top two, if not my top three, favorite Glee songs of all time. So uh, that will be to come, and I can't wait for those to get to those episodes. Um, this is what was oh, I was looking at the uh, the trivia section of the Glee Wikipedia page. I just thought this was funny that they included this here. That this is the first season premiere to not feature a male singing in the shower. So uh, Finn, <laughs> Finn, Sam, and uh, we're going to have nobody here, but it will happen again next season. Uh, it will. A new it character. Will. So uh, for now, we take a season off of that aspect of a season premiere. And what else did I see? Um, just in terms of like the cast updates, like uh, in terms of who's getting what credits on the show, uh, Mike Chang, Harry Shum Jr. has finally been bumped up to the main cast. As you saw probably in this episode, he got some more lines than usual. Uh, Darren Chris has been bumped up to the main cast while Jessalyn Gilsig and Michael Malley, uh, Terry DeMonico and Bert Hummel have been taken off of the main cast and Bert is going to still be a recurring character, of course, but uh, Terry is now gone as we know. So that is the she's update. She's in on Miami, bitch. She is. She's in Miami and that's all I got for this episode. So much more to come. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the choir room. We hope that you have been uh, enjoying everything thus far. Uh, make sure that you are following us on Choir Room Pod on Twitter. You can follow us individually as well. I'm Adam on Adwin. Matt is at Matt Logori. Leave us star ratings and reviews. If you just want to talk shit about uh, Leah Michelle, you can do that in the reviews as well. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. That's mean-spirited. Use the reviews to tell us your story about what happened <laughs> between you and Leah Michelle. And if exactly. it doesn't exist, make one up. Exactly. We'll we'll read the funniest ones <laughs> on the. Uh, I could not believe it when her fucking understudy came for her. Her understudy when she was twelve years old came for her. Leah Michelle at twelve years old was telling people that they were going to get fired. What is wrong with her? What is wrong? That's that. There's something wrong. That sounds like a personality disorder. You should not be that young and being that horrible. That's crazy. I must have missed that. You didn't see that? No, I did not. Her, her fucking uh, understudy, I forget for what show it was. Was it like Fiddler? I forget what show it was. 
But her understudy, like, came forward and said, you were absolutely horrible to me. You had everybody on set terrified. You were telling people they were going to get fired. And I was like, why were y'all believing a 12-year-old? And at, and worse, why was she doing it at 12 years old? Like, it, it was insane. But, yeah, if you have any uh, Leah Michelle horror stories, please share them below. And we will see you next time. And I guess until then, we'll see you at Sectional. And you know what? Fuck that. We'll see you at opening night of West Coast. How about that? All right, bye, guys.